Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Hello again from uh, Florida. When you watch this, I shouldn't be in Florida, but I'm in Florida again now and I'm enjoying it very much. My mom's doing great. Thanks for asking. Kalina Mitchell. I was very privileged to have Kalina Mitchell on the show once before. She is Ms. Madam, Lady, <laughs> Election Law, Election Litigation. She's the good, unsanctioned, and ethical version of Mark Elias <laughs> to the extent that Harmy Dillon isn't. Together they make one incredible super. Well, I'm going to let her tell you the story because the fact is coming out of the midterms, people don't necessarily feel that things went they wanted the way they wanted them to go. There's no question that there's still a lot of funny business going on in the courts. I'm, I'm sorry, not so much in the courts, but in the, uh, in the polls. And Cleta very graciously agreed to come on and tell us, bring us up to speed post midterms 2022. What have we learned? What did we accomplish? What did we aspire to that was not accomplished? All the things. Cleta, thanks for coming again. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> Good. Tell me the story. What's, well, the, what, what's the elevator pitch on, 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 on your experiences uh, uh, as a, an election lawyer uh, following the midterms or during the midterms? So um, for those who don't know, uh, I'm the senior legal fellow at the Conservative Partnership Institute, and I have, uh, we have created I should have, something. I should have introduced you. That's Bob, all you know, right. That's all right. I assume everyone remembers from the last one, but so, why would I assume? I don't even, I don't even listen to podcasts. Okay. So, so we created uh, over the last 18 months, almost two years, the uh, Election Integrity Network, and I'm the chairman of that. And what that is, it's a platform. It's not really an organization. It's a platform for engaging citizens in the election integrity process, really. And we worked really hard to recruit, train, and deploy citizens all across the country to become involved in knowing and understanding and, and really engaging in the election system, the election process. And How are you doing that? If you don't mind my interrupting, no, what method are you using to recruit people into that network? Well, we started last uh, between... Uh, February and uh, July of last year, uh, we recruited and we, we conducted uh, election integrity statewide summits in, um, in eight states. And we brought people together and th those were the states where we'd had problems in 2020. Um, and as well as Virginia, where they have elections every year. <laughs> so we started in 2021 in Virginia as a sort of beta site and found that that really does work to bring people together to do training, not to hear speeches, not to gripe about how bad this was or that was, but to get engaged in the process, the election process and train people how to do that. So we published a year ago, the Citizen's Guide 
to building an election integrity infrastructure at the local and state levels. We have created the master class, uh, almost 20 training videos that tell people how to have a local election integrity task force, how to work on cleaning voter rolls, what is the citizen engagement on overseeing the election technology? Not just this, not just the voting machines, but there's so much technology that's used in elections. And how can citizens be involved in having oversight of that so the vendors don't control everything? So we we've been about the business of developing resources, recruiting people, and get putting thing, resources in their hands so that they can know what to do. That's that's how we've done that. And we now have election, state election coalitions um, in 10 states that are, and a nut, that are probably really, I would say, they've taken root. We probably have another 10 or 11 states where they're just getting started. We, we recruited and deployed and trained thousands, thousands of people to go become election workers, officials, judges, and to become observers. So that's what we did have done for the last 18 months. Now, what have we learned in that time? Let me tell you some good things. Citizens are interested. They know that just like parents and school boards, they better be there. You, you can't just turn it over to a group of people and expect that they're going to do it right. And they're not going to indoctrinate your kids. And they're not going to be in partnership with the left in your local schools. That's what we've done with the elections. We have to be there. We Because let me tell you what, we have learned how embedded left-wing organizations are in our election system nationwide, local, state. I mean, it's, it's shocking how embedded they are. But we created this national working group, Citizens Research Project, teaching people how to go find out what groups are in their election offices. And so the good news is we've had hundreds and really thousands of citizens who've gotten up off their couches and they've gotten engaged. That's a really good thing. Well, you know, it's a really good thing is also what you're describing. It's not also, it's another aspect of the same thing, I guess. You're describing something which is taking back the narrative from those who say it doesn't matter. Uh, it's hopeless. It doesn't matter why bother voting. If you say that, you are conceding everything. To everything. the left. You're conceding your country is what you're doing. And I, you know, look, I'm not prepared to do that. I'm going to do this until I don't have any capability or breath or life in me to do. Because we can't, we can't just concede our election system to the left. So we've really... Um, it's been an amazing experience. Honestly, I, I sit on these calls with people in the States and it makes me want to cry because there are all these people who are so knowledgeable and are learning more all the time. So that's what we've been doing. And let me tell you how that has manifested itself. Um, just two examples I think are, the, are, are really critical. In Maricopa County, now, the election... The people who run the elections in Maricopa County, Arizona, the same people who fought that audit tooth and nail, the state Senate audit of Maricopa County from 2020, Bill Gates, a different Bill Gates, Republican county supervisor, he did everything he could do to keep that uh, audit from going forward, 
from being successful. They deleted files. They didn't cooperate. Hideous. Nothing to see here. Fast forward, and a guy who was elected to be the uh, uh, supervisor of elections, and he was, and he, his name is Stephen Richer, and he also fought it tooth and nail. Started a super PAC. Now, this is a guy who's supposed to be overseeing the election. Started a super PAC to defeat Carrie Lake, Mark Fincham, and the and the MAGA candidates. He's running the elections, right? My and, and then they have another person uh, whose name escapes me. But, the, the, you know, these three people who, who said everything was fine. Well, guess what? We had worked very hard to recruit, train, and deploy and get authorized uh, election workers, even to the point of, of get, working with the Republican National Committee to persuade them that they needed to sue Maricopa County because the law requires parity between Democrats and Republicans as election officials appointed by the county. And they'd been filling those Republican slots with Democrats forever. And the RNC did agree and sued them. And then guess what? Now all they slots, they agreed to fill the, the Republican slots with Republicans, funny it's thing. So now we've got these people in position to but what's watch. The, but when, would, when did that requirement it's always um, been the law. No, but when when did when did you get the court order that said, "Hey, make it ha you know, you're not complying." October, October. So just before the election, right? And meanwhile, though, you have these Republicans running who right. who whose party affiliation complies, and I, I don't know who gets to decide who represents the party in other words does but i guess if these people are running the arizona they're elected they were elected but they ran as republicans but what i'm saying is that the slots at the at the voting centers they don't have precincts that's another problem in maricopa county but the but the election uh officials that are there are these different positions like an election judge or a, uh you know they and and it's supposed to be 50 50 democrat republican but let me tell you what all over the country, I've known this as an election lawyer for decades, that Republicans never fill those slots. They always right. get filled by Democrats. It's <laughs> one of my pet peeves with the Republican Party. But um, yeah, I remember when I was deployed to Pennsylvania, they would always say that, that you know, there are certain pre precincts we can't even get. There, there aren't Republicans. That's right. And, and Philadelphia. Philadelphia right. is a big problem because you in Pennsylvania, the law requires you have to live in the county and there aren't that many Republicans in the county. But but let me go back to Arizona. So here's what happened. We sent out a survey to all of our volunteers. We had uh, over 200 people as part of our statewide coalition, Arizona. And within hours of sending out that survey, which we sent out about uh, a few days after the November 8th election, we started getting back reports eyewitness accounts of everything they had seen and documented about the chaos on November the 8th, particularly in, guess what, the Republican areas and the voting centers. See, they don't have precinct polling places any longer in Maricopa County. They have what they call voting centers. So you, your ballot 
is has to be customized to you and it will be different from the person in front of you or behind you in the line you give me your address and then that spits out a, a ballot that's customized to where you live in terms of your who you get to vote for the offices and the candidates you're voting for for local races i mean it's all one the same for the state senate or i mean the u.s senate or the governor but it's not for state representative city council etc so the first thing that happened in these voting centers is that the printers wouldn't print out the ballots. So you start having these long lines. The printers are not properly calibrated. There's something going on on election day that did not happen in early voting, but it sure happened on election day. So you start having these long lines and more than half of the voting centers. And then um, if you finally did get a ballot, <laughs> and mark your ballot, then you take it over to put it in the tabulator and the tabulators weren't working. And people would put them in one time, two times, rejected eight, nine times. People, the lines were hours long. And then they would say, well, just leave, put your ballot in drawer number three and go, and we'll get it sorted out. And then they started commingling the untabulated ballots with the tabulated ballots. And then they went on TV and told everybody, it, you know, here are some places where the lines, where everything's working. So go there. The problem is they didn't tell people who had checked into one voting center and were having a problem that they shouldn't leave without checking out. Because guess what? They showed up at the other voting center and said, I came here because I couldn't vote over there. They said, oh, this says you've already voted. You didn't check out of the first place. Those are, that in a nutshell is what happened, but it impacted thousands of voters in Maricopa County now, more than the election. Really important question. I think this is the question that I have not, because I'm not nearly as, as well informed as you, um, have been, I've had trouble getting across to people. Why is it that these things happen, even though we know these are problem counties, we know it's a problem state, we know that there's a problem party apparatus in Arizona. Why do we, with all the deployments and all the focus and all the knowledge that we did have effective name your date in 2022 before election day, why couldn't we prevent these things from happening? From happening? I've got a guess, but I want to hear the, the real answer. Well, when the people who are, you know, one of the things I will tell you is our local leaders went into the election offices and said, You've got to make sure you have the right paper and printer, toner, uh, ink, because that had been a problem in 2020. You've got to make sure you have the right ballot marking uh, information devices. That was a problem in 2020. And they went in and, and made an effort and talked to these people who are running the election. And the resistance, I mean, they finally said, okay, we've, we've got it covered. We've got everything covered. Well, except they didn't have it all covered. And so what do you do when you have when you have complete and I don't know that I would say it's incompetence. I don't I want to know whether this was intentional. And because these things happened in 2020 under the right. under the same regime. So you tell me is it intentional and, and, or not? And and you see, what, I, what I'm always trying to get across to people is that all the lawyers in the world can't physically make people do their jobs. That's right. I can get you 
orders. I'll never forget going back to Pennsylvania. I was in the Philadelphia, uh, you know, a convention center. We got the order from the appellate division saying, you've got to let these people in to observe. And the lawyer for the Philadelphia Board of Elections said, no. I know. We're not. And I we know. call, you, you, know, you know all this, we called the sheriff and said, I've got a state court order. Because they knew that the, that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which is a political body and not, not, a, not a judicial body in any meaningful sense, was going was gonna to save their bacon. And we said to the sheriff, we want to enforce this order. He said, um, I'm sorry, do you want that with pepperoni or um, plain? Right. Zero. So you can get, you, you, you can send 30 lawyers down and you can spend a gazillion dollars on stuff. But if you have, a, if you have an inherently corrupt structure, Lawyers can't fix that. Well, you know, I got to tell you, you know, we we're waiting right now um, because Carrie Lake has filed. Actually, each of the statewide candidates have filed uh, legal actions, and honestly, just pray that the judge will actually do something about this. Because if the judiciary continues to refuse to do its job and to insist that the law be followed. I don't know. I mean, we have to have judges who will step up and do we their don't. jobs. We and don't. if we that start. would happen, honestly, if if the judge would require, would, would accept Carrie Lake's uh, not, uh, you know, would deny the motion to dismiss and allow the evidence of all of these problems to be introduced and have an evidentiary hearing. If we could get, so just pray that the judge will order that the a trial be allowed to, to take place so that all you of are, this can be put in the record. You're Listen, a person is allowed to pray for a miracle, but that's what we're talking about here because yeah. the judiciary has been utterly socialized. Yes, yes. They follow each other like ducks crossing the street. Yep. And, and and the Supreme Court sets the tone. Yep. And they drop the ball and they, they drop the ball, ball big time in 2020. It, yeah. And so so the message of the judiciary is we we don't do this. We don't do this. The, if if all you know, and I I remember saying if, if you had a bunch of members of a Ku Klux Klan come into a state or a town, take over its election apparatus and do exactly the same thing that these people are doing, but they were doing it because they're white supremacists. Yeah, It would be a gigantic oh, social... The, oh, yeah, the, 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 and uh, honestly, the and the Department of Justice would be there. And, and give me liberty and give me... And, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It is such a double standard. It is such a double standard. So I, I am so hopeful that this judge who set an order a scheduling order. It's very expedited, which it's supposed to be. And um, I'm sure that I think tomorrow is the date when Katie Hobbs and the will file her motion to dismiss the lawsuit. Carrie Lake will file a response on Sunday, and then the judge has to decide. And there's been a, a hearing date set if it does go forward for uh, next week. And that's what we need. We need to be able to put on the evidence of the failures and the flaws in the process. And there needs to be a remedy ordered. And I promise you, 
if that would ever start to happen, it would break the log jam and it would allow, it would encourage other judges. I know of cases that are pending around the country on things like cleaning voter rolls and all these judges. And I have to explain to the lawyers in these states who are bringing these actions. I said, listen, you got to remember that the media is going to attack this judge. If this is an elected judge, the media is going to go in your state. They're going to attack the judge. There's not a single news outlet that is going to uh, support anything and say, yeah, we need fair elections. No, they're not going to do that. So something else I want you to know, Ron, is that we began because of what our observers and election workers saw because of the amazing reports that they sent to us, we published all of it. We put it, we created a whole new site, a, a page on our website. It's www.whoscounting.us slash Maricopa. We published all of it. The only thing we didn't publish were the, uh, sources that the names and, and contact information the people filing it because i know from personal experience what will happen is that the left will start going after these people and i i didn't we didn't eliminate a single report we had about two reports saying everything went fine we published all of it because i wanted to document it and now what i've realized is the media simply will not cover they will not cover election problems. They, they call us election deniers. They're the deniers. They're denying these facts that all of these eyewitnesses, they were there. And so we also published, uh, if you go to this, you will see what, we called it chaos in Maricopa County. And you will see the public statements of people showing up at the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors saying to the supervisors, here's what we saw. You'll see all of the written reports and they are phenomenal. And it really underscored for me the importance of having those citizen and citizen observers and citizen workers because those leaders got on TV in the middle of the day on election day and said, Everything's fixed. Everything's fixed. Well, guess what? The people who are working the polls, they documented it wasn't fixed and that those were lies. We published the memo that was submitted by the volunteer attorneys from all over the all over the county and everything they were seeing and everything that they reported, which also shows that the leaders were lying. And so look, I mean, we have we're, we have, we're almost like people in the former Soviet Union. You've got the commissars and the Politburos and Pravda all saying one thing, but we're saying no, that's not really what's happening. No, the crops weren't a wonderful harvest. <laughs> the crops failed. We're starving, um, <laughs> and you know that. But that's that's the value and the and the importance of of the citizen engagement. And it's full bore right there in Maricopa County. They can't, they can lie and they can try to say nothing happened. We've got the proof, hundreds and hundreds of reports. So we can, like you said, we can hope the judge does something here, leaves, leaves us the opportunity, us meaning Republicans, 
the opportunity to prove the case is what kind of relief is possible well i think that they need to order a new election that's the remedy that's the remedy under state most state laws if you can establish that there were more irregular votes included in the final tally than um or, or that there were substantial uh, denial of the ability to vote uh, and all of that kind of thing. The, normally, the remedy is a new election. And I don't know that you can possibly expect to be have any confidence that this election uh, can be, tr- that the outcome of this election can be is trustworthy. You know what I'm seeing this time as opposed to 2020 is I, I'm not seeing liberals or even these corrupt Republicans defend themselves they're simply letting the media do the job of not reporting on the problems right no way to defend what went on no no but it's enough if like you said if Pravda says you know we're selling bushels of wheat to our brotherly comrades overseas Mm -hmm. uh, while we starve our own people um you know then that's what they'll report if that's gonna if the judge doesn't do what yeah. we're hoping, and if the media won't do, and, and that even conserv- that includes conservative media. Yes. Is the, yes. you know, not, you know, I, I don't, I don't really watch TV. Yeah, I don't either. But, but, but I see the, you know, I see the excerpts that people put up. Um, of course, and I understand from the point of view of Fox, if, if they, you know, if they just become the voice of the, of what the culture, the elite culture has discredited as a phony narrative, you know, that becomes a bit of a credibility death spiral for them also. But what's, what, how can we think outside of the box? You've already done that by getting people on the ground. I mean, w- w- is there any extent to which having people in the voting centers and on the ground has resulted in even small increases in compliance or improvement because there's someone really right there pushing and saying no you can't do that not a lawyer but regular oh yeah that happened all over the country in fact what's interesting is in 2021 as i said we kind of started in virginia um at first the uh, during 2021 a lot of the election uh directors in the counties uh were very resistant to having citizens coming in and asking questions, et cetera. What began to evolve and what we saw in 22 in uh, Virginia and in some places between the primary and the general in 2022 is that the election officials began to realize that the citizen volunteers knew more about what, what was needed and what the procedure is supposed to be than they did. And finally started realizing that these are a resource. These people are a resource and they're there to help. They're not there to obstruct. They're there to help and to make sure that the that this election is carried out in accordance with the law. And we saw a lot of that across the country uh, where, as before, it was, uh, this is some foreign intervention, foreign substance in my uh, Petri dish. Um, that they began to realize, oh, when somebody, and we kept telling people, be polite, be polite, be persistent, but be polite. 
and um, never lose your temper, never raise your voice. Now, notwithstanding our saying that that was a huge part of our training, the media attacked us relentlessly and said that we were going to cause chaos at the polls. Uh, the only chaos at the polls in November, in November was by election officials not doing their jobs right. But so we really saw a lot of instances where our election observers and having trained workers who had more training and better training than the county gave them that they said no we're not that's not the way you do that no you have to have chain of custody of the ballots no you can't you can't do that and here's here's what the law says about that so that was a good thing and i think that we'll continue to see that but we have a lot more work to do uh to try to Look, I mean, the left has been undermining and infiltrating our elections for more than a decade, and we haven't been there. And now okay. it's not going to be over. We're not going to push it back in one cycle. But it seems to me the most intractable part problem here is that Arizona has election officials with R's after their name. They had they have a, an attorney general with an R after his name who did Nothing. practically. Nothing. 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 You can say it. Nothing. Nothing. What what's going wrong? Why are these people corrupt? Uh, are these people I mean, I, I, I'm always very skeptical as a lawyer. Um when people talk about people being compromised, people they've got dirt on him. That's 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 amateur hour stuff. There isn't, you know, oh yeah, Roberts went to uh you know uh uh, you know Epstein Island. Come on, please. Let's. You know and what I'm always explaining to people is: these are who these people are. This is not them betraying themselves. This is who they are. But why are people who are these people getting into such positions? I'm not talking about Justice Roberts, of course. Um, positions of power in Republican politics in Arizona. Do you have any idea? Well, I, you know, look, there's a, uh, there's a history in Arizona of the McCain Republicans who uh, want to be adored by the media. And you don't get adored by the media if you are a, a practicing principal conservative. Taking I guess that's a, re is that a reaction to, to Goldwater, you know, a sort of. Uh, well, Arizona, understand that Arizona used to have an, Honestly, I, I really, I've grown up believing this, that, um, you know, there was a time when newspapers made a difference in the political environment in a state. And for a very long time, the Arizona Republic was owned by Dan Quayle's family. It was a very conservative paper and newspapers had a big influence on politics uh, and the political environment in a state. That's not so true anymore. But for a long time, it did. That was true. And you could give rise to a Barry Goldwater, who was a principal conservative. Um, and, and Arizona has a history of electing very strong conservatives. Well, the Arizona Republic, I mean, John McCain was a conservative when he was first elected. But he came to Washington and became the darling of the media, the left-wing media, because of his support for campaign finance, his, his almost... It became to he came to disdain the Republican Party, uh, and McCain Feingold basically dismembered the Republican Party. It didn't have any impact on the Democrats, but it really 
had a big impact on the Republican Party because of the difference in culture and all, which is why the left was pushing it. Um, so that's 20 years ago that that was enacted. But McCain became the darling of the media. The Arizona Republic was sold to Gannett. So uh, so it's a very left-wing paper now. You have people who've moved into Arizona from California, escaped from California to a low-tax state, Arizona. Um, but you still have Republicans winning the position. So if you wanted to be elected in Arizona, you had to be a you have to be a Republican, or you did. And um, and so they've started becoming more like John McCain to please the media because the media would then write nice things about them. And they'd say, I'm a McCain Republican. And um, and so the the conflict between the conservative wing of the Republican Party and the more you know moderate wing, which is the McCain wing, you know, that's a tension in the Republican Party in Arizona. Um, and so we'll see what happens going forward. But Doug Ducey was not a conservative governor. Uh, Mark Bronovich was not a conservative attorney general. And so they did reelect the, a, a majority of Republicans in the state legislature, barely. They have a bare majority, but there are more conservatives in the legislature. So I've encouraged them to, you know, that they need to take some steps. They need to get rid of these voting centers, go back to precinct voting. And they need to really do some fundamental overhaul. But that's one of the things I was going to tell you too, is that now we're starting these national working groups on particular aspects of election, of the elections. And one is legislative. And, you know, we had a call earlier today uh, and we had, I want to say we had 75 people from across the country who want to work on legislation in their states, bring what they learned from their experiences to legislators and tell the story of what things need to be changed. And I will tell you, we did these surveys in all the states where we have coalitions and where we were uh, recruiting and deploying uh, poll observers and, and workers. And for most of them, we asked them, this was have, have you done this before? 98% said this was their first time. And then we said, will you do it again? 100%. Yes. Yes. And will you talk to legislators? Yes. So that to me is a real encouragement to see. Yeah, you're, these, are real, these are real grassroots changes yes. that just have to happen. Yes. Yes. It's And it's not scurrying around at the last minute. It is step by step the things we need to do to protect and reclaim our elections. And despite all of the attacks and all the names that we've been called, uh, just like, you know, I, I always just come back to just like Merrick Garland, the, the politicized Democrat attorney general of the United States calling parents going to school boards, domestic terrorists. Uh, he's the same guy. They set up a hotline at the FBI for people to be able to call in and make complaints about people uh, supposedly attacking or threatening or harassing election administrators. Well, guess what? 99% of the complaints that were called into that hotline by election administrators, when they, when they were looked at by the invest, by the FBI, it was just that they, these election administrators didn't like it because citizens were asking them questions because they were getting FOIA requests, because people were showing up at their election board meetings and they didn't like that. So it's, um, but 
notwithstanding all of that, our citizens want to be involved. They're, they understand what has to be done to reclaim the elections. And we saw a lot, man, we saw a lot of stuff that we know we need to fix. Lena, again, thanks so much. It's really important for people to know just how much is just how much is actually going on and give people hope that electoral democracy is not a dead letter in this country. No. People have become so cynical and so despondent over it. And uh, you know, hearing from you what's going on, even though we, we know what sort of institutional barriers and cultural barriers we're up against, I think nonetheless is, is going to get people home. Well, ho send people to the website. We need every we single person, every single person, www.whoscounting.us. Listen to our podcast. I'm going to post our this podcast as soon as it's out. We'll post it on our pod, on our, we'll send it out. And we, we just need people to get involved. We have a way for everybody and anybody to be involved. And there's a role for everybody. Glad to, glad to have you on and to hopefully help with that. There's no principled argument against what you're doing. Mm -hmm. No, no. Just the left attacks, but that's okay. We must be over the target, right? Or they wouldn't be shooting at us. That's what they say. All right, thanks. Talk to you thank soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Okay. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com, or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.